If you have a Bible, turn to Psalm chapter 5. I want to talk very briefly tonight because I want to spend some more time in prayer at the end. But our study tonight is going to center about one main question, all right? One main question from Psalm chapter 5. What do you expect will happen when you pray? All right, the question. What do you expect will happen when you pray? What do you hope the Lord is going to do? What do you anticipate will take place? Now, before we answer that question from our heart and then from God's word, we need to remind ourselves that prayer is about more than just making our requests known, right? It's about fellowship. It's about praise. It's about hearing from the Lord. It's about abiding in his presence. So, so we come to this with that default, okay? Everybody agree on that? We come to that with, with that default. But when we do obey his command to let our requests be made known unto him, to ask him for help and provision and guidance. Um, what's our expectation? What, what are we hoping is going to happen? Now, James says that when we pray, and he's specifically referring to wisdom in James 1.5, but this applies to all prayer. When we pray, we are supposed to pray with confident, unwavering faith. Not tossed about like the waves of the ocean, but, but firm and settled and certain in our heart that he is the Lord and he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now the extent to which we are going to approach the throne of grace to that extent, okay, that, that we're confident, that we're sure, that we're certain, that we know he's going to work, we know he's going to reward those who diligently seek him. The level to which we approach that will primarily depend on three factors, all right? Factor number one is our purity. Have we confessed our sin to him, the daily uh, offenses that we've committed to him? I'm not talking about salvation here. I'm talking about daily. Have you confessed your daily sin to him? Have you made it right? Have you gone instantly to him when you've gone against him? With, with humility and with brokenness, and have you received his cleansing? Because you can't be confident in going before him and being accepted into his holy presence if you're not clean. God doesn't abide what's not clean. Second thing is our dependency. Are you comfortable with trusting in him fully? Or is there still a, a hesitation there? Or, or, you know, I still want a little control. Or I want some kind of guarantee. Or, or, or maybe God will allow me to have a little input into where this is going. No, we can't do that. If we're going to come to him and, and know for certain that he's going to work, then we have to give it all to him. So there's purity, there's dependency, and then there's maturity. Do we have a lifestyle of, of consistently, faithfully depending on the Lord, seeing his hand, looking back, remembering all the times where we've seen his hand work, where his blessing has been there again and again and again. So our confidence is sure. So are we pure, are we dependent, and are we mature in that? Now, if we're weak in any of those factors, or heaven forbid, all of those factors... We're going to get a little spiritual seasickness, right? And be a little back and forth. You ever been, I was on a, I was on a cruise once, and we were in hurricane season. Mm-mm, fun. 
And I remember sitting, I think I've told you guys this story before. I remember sitting, looking out the window. This is not in the days where it's like, you know, 95 stories high and 17 football fields long. This is one of the, the early cruise ships, all right? And I'm looking out the window, I'm laying on the bed, and I'm seeing the water go up and then the water go down. And that we were in like 20-foot swells. I know what seasickness is like. I've experienced it. And, and when we go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, when we're weak in that, we get sick. We're, we're not healthy because there's a, a, a volatility and an uncertainty in our prayer that lacks in expect, expectation. It lacks in confidence. But when these three areas, purity, dependency, maturity, are shored up. In other words, when we're walking by the Spirit and we're trusting with all our heart and there's a discipline in our lives of grateful certainty, our prayers take a very different posture. And we go to prayer in a very different attitude. We find strength in the promises of Scripture, which tell us that we can legitimately expect that the Lord will take action when we call on His name. Now, I want to give you a bunch of verses. I'm going to read through them fairly quickly. I want to encourage you to just write down the, the texts, okay, and then you can look at them later. And even though I'm going to go through them kind of quickly, I don't want you to glide over them mentally because there are some awesome realities here that just will show us the amazing power of prayer, okay? Psalm 50:15. Call on me in the day of trouble, and I will rescue you, and you will honor me. Psalm 50, 15. Psalm 145, 18. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. Jeremiah 29, 12. Then you will call on me, and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. Matthew 7, 11. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? Luke 11.10, everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. James 1.5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. James 5.15, the effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. 1 John 4.14, this is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And Revelation 5.8, the four living creatures and 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each one holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Now there are dozens more. That's what, 8, 10? How many did I read there? 6, 9, I read 10. They all have the same message. I love you. I'm gracious. I'm faithful. I hear you when you call on me, and I will answer because I love your prayers. I love your prayers. Now, when we pray, when we just prayed, when we prayed earlier today, when we pray in a little bit, do we pray with that kind of certainty, or are we kind of tentative and hopeful? You ever prayed hopeful prayers? Lord, I kind of, kind of hope you'll do this. Kind of toss it out there and just see what happens. He tells us that's not the way to pray. It's not just kind of, well, we'll see. Lord, just kind of, 
kind of here it is. And, and No, he says pray with certainty. Pray with confidence. If you lack wisdom, ask me. I'll give it to you generously. J- just know that when I call on you, I will hear you because I love you and I'll answer you and I'm ready to work. This is God talking. This is not our best friend or our spouse. This is the God of the universe who put billions, tens of billions of galaxies, knows every star by number and by name, who knows every hair on my head tonight, how many there are right now. He knows all of it. And he says, when you call to me, I'll answer. When you come before me into my presence, I will be right there. Now, when we pray, do we expect him to answer? Are we content with his will no matter how much he does answer? See, this is one of the most important aspects of praying in faith. Faith requires a full yieldedness of our will. Faith requires a full yieldedness of our will. We hear all those verses and we start to move forward with with a little bit of displaced expectation that if God loves me and and you said he's faithful, Lord, and he'll, uh, Paul, and and he'll answer that he should answer me according to what will make me happy. And what I think is best. And and you know what that does? That sets us up for disappointment. It sets us up for questioning. Because while we say we want his will to be done, when it doesn't match our will, what happens? We feel a little bit let down. How many of you have had that happen a couple hundred times in your life? Well, Lord, I, I, I prayed according to your will, and it wasn't my will, and, and now I feel like you, you kind of played me. You know, the enemy wants to use that to build on the two lies he always tells us. You can't trust God, and you'd be better off without him. So when we, well, Lord, I want your will, do we really? Do we re- are we really saying, Lord, whatever you want, I will yield completely, won't question, won't comment, won't complain, won't doubt. You you show me whatever you want, and whatever you say, I'll do it. Do we pray that way? Or is it kind of hedging our bets? Like, well, Lord, yes, if it's your will, but I really want my will. But, 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 But if it's your, oh, we want the will of the Lord to be done. Okay, well, there's the will of the Lord. No, I don't like that. That he didn't answer that the way I wanted. So we have to guard our hearts We have to surrender our will and faith. And then we have to search the scripture for what kind of expectancy we should have when we pray. Because the Lord tells us to be expectant, but he does not tell us to be entitled. Big difference. I want you to have an expectancy when you pray. That when you pray everything according to my will, when you're willing to yield to my will, you can expect that I will work. But if you're approaching it as a sense of entitlement, that doesn't work. Now, why can we pray everything according to his will? Because he's all wise. And because he's all gracious. And because he knows what's best for us. He knows what is best for our spiritual growth according to his perfect wisdom and his perfect ways, which we just sang around. But but his ways are not what? They're not our ways. So there's a, there's a tension there. There's a conflict there between our ways and God's ways. I had somebody uh, the other day approach me with, with great sadness, and they said, um, 
I've been praying according to John 14, 14. And Jesus says, if you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. And I have prayed hard and prayed with tears and prayed with a full desire that God would work. And God didn't work. And what do I make of that? Because the verse says, if you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. Now, I will confess to you, I gave a less than adequate answer. Even though I talked to the person about the will of the Lord superseding our own and having to trust that the Lord will bring glory through the situation, I, I at that time did not take the context into account. Because in John 14, Jesus is talking about the coming of the Holy Spirit and how he will do greater works around us and in us, especially as it relates to ministry. So essentially what he's saying, if you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. We've got to take it in the context. The context was, if you need courage, you need wisdom, you need strength, you need to be able to share the gospel more effectively, you need to minister to somebody, and, and, and you need help in danger, and you need to be directed by my Holy Spirit, and you need me to come alongside, ask it, and I'll give it to you. That's the context. Then we've got Mark eleven twenty four, where Jesus says, I'll answer your request. You ask me, and I'll answer you. But in the same context, again, this is for wisdom and for power to go evangelize and go disciple and, and to have ministry. The point is, here's I want to make this clear. The verses are primarily directed at a spiritual outpouring and equipping so we can do the work of ministry. They're not really about material blessing. So it's confusing because we look at it, and I've been saved 42 years. I should have had a better answer. We look at it and we say, well, what do we do with that? He says, if you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. All right, well, Lord, here I'm asking in your name. And he says, there are times where I'm going to, to answer those requests. There are times when you come to me with a personal issue, and I am, you know I'm gracious, right? You, you know I am. So I'm going to help you so often. But make sure that the context drives your theology rather than the other way around. That your desires, as wonderful and God-honoring as they are, as noble as they are, and hers were, that, that they aren't what you're counting on versus what I deem is best. And I got to tell you right now, that's hard. That's hard because we're human, right? And we think, well, Lord... Why wouldn't you do that? Why wouldn't you answer that prayer? It makes all the sense in the world for you to heal, for you to solve a marriage, for you to help that child that's wayward, for you to provide finances for a house. It makes all the sense in the world. Why wouldn't you answer that? And God says, my ways are not your ways. I know better. And you're going to have to trust me in that. And then we've got to keep a check in our spirit that those requests actually are noble, right? Because there are some times when I think I'm coming to the Lord with a noble request, but really the bottom line is I'm not being humble and I'm not being sacrificial. That's why the Spirit says in James 4, you ask and you don't receive because they're the wrong motives. You're asking for you. You're asking for your pleasure. And that tells us that we can drift into self-centered self-oriented, self-honoring prayers, which are not as concerned with God getting the glory and his will being done as we are with what we want to happen. And that's a danger. 
Dying to self daily means that we die to our will and our ways. It means that we give completely to the Lord and say, I trust you with my life. I trust you with my salvation. Now, Lord, I have to trust you with your will. And that's not easy. Now, that's most of our study, and we haven't even looked at the text, all right? Take a couple minutes, look at Psalm chapter 5. Because there's a valuable truth here. Oh, I love this so much. There's a valuable truth here that will give us strength and confidence as we pray again in a minute. Look at verse 1. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my groaning. Heed the sound of my cry for help, my King and my God. For to you I pray. Oh, here's verse 3. In the morning, O Lord, you will hear my voice. In the morning I will order my prayer to you and eagerly watch. Verse 11. Let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever sing for joy, and may you shelter them, that those who love your name may exalt in you. For it is you who blesses the righteous man, O Lord. You surround him with favor as a shield. Now, a couple thoughts here real quick. Verses 1 and 2, David's struggling, right? He's groaning. He's crying out to the Lord for help. We don't know what the specific context is, but we certainly know enough about David's life that it could have been any of 50 situations because David's life many times was a mess. Whatever the case, look at verses 1 and 2, there's a sense of urgency, but, but it's not situational, all right? I believe as I read this, there's a daily understanding of the confidence of prayer because he doesn't just say, Lord, tonight I'm crying out to you. He says, in the morning, I pray, you hear my voice, I order my prayer, and, you eagerly, and I eagerly watch. In other words, this, this was not just a, a priority when the crisis hits. Don't, don't, we never let our prayer lives just, just be there when there's a crisis. Oh, now I better pray because I'm in it deep. No. This is every day. This is David's habit. In the morning, I cry out to you and then I eagerly watch. I'm, I'm ready. I, I'm, oh, man, I'm primed. Here it is. And I really want you to notice those last two words. That when he prays, no matter what the situation is, he is eagerly watching for the Lord's hand. That's what it means to pray with expectancy. Now, very clear uh, clarification here. Not expectation, but expectancy. Because expectation can carry the connotation of pride and entitlement. Well, Lord, I'm praying and I expect you to work. That, that's kind of like, hey, I'm demanding this now. I'm going to claim all these promises. I'm going to misquote them and you better work. No, it doesn't work that way. If my kids come to me and say, hey, I want this. You better give it to me. Am I going to do that? Do you know me at all? No. How about you go to your room and sit down and think about your attitude? But when you come with a sense of expectancy, see, that's, that's more pure. That's a, that's a humble confidence mixed with an eager anticipation. Oh, the Lord's about to work. And that work is going to be wonderful. And that's what David's communicating here in verse 3. I bring my prayer to you in the morning, and then I eagerly watch for your answer. You know, as I was studying this, I got the strangest mental image, and I hope I can 
do this justice, all right? Not being mystical here. This is just what came into my heart. As I read that, I bring my prayer in the morning, and I eagerly watch your answer. I got the instant mental picture of a person standing at the harbor and looking out on the water because they got a phone call, I'm coming into port. And standing there and watching, waiting for their loved one, searching in the horizon, where's the boat? Where's the boat? Knowing that when they come there, there's an excitement and a readiness to experience their presence and to see what they're bringing in and what's going to happen next. But, but there's an anticipation. Oh, I can't wait until they come. And as I thought about that, maybe that's a strange analogy for you, I thought, that's how I should pray. I know the Lord loves me. I know that he's always faithful. I know that he says he'll meet me at his throne of grace. And he tells me, when you pray, I will work. So I don't know about you, but I need to pray with much more eager anticipation instead of tentative uncertainty. Oh, Lord, work. Not a demand. Work. I'm ex- I, I, I have an expectancy that you are going to work. And I'm going to eagerly watch until you do it because I know you're going to do it. And Lord, I want it to be only what you want. I'm going to let you know my requests. You already know them. You already know what's in my heart. But, but you tell me to present them. So I'm presenting them by faith. And Lord, this is what I'd love to see happen. And I pray that that aligns with your will. But if it doesn't, I yield to your will. I accept whatever you say. See, the Lord's given us this tremendous gift of prayer, going straight to him as his children with direct access that Jesus opened up. That's why we should always pray. Another another thought here. Always pray in Jesus' name. Because Jesus is the one who opened up the access and gives us the right to come in and be accepted. And because of that, he says, when you come... What's the word? Boldness, right? You come with expectancy. You come with boldness. You come with confidence. You come with faith. You come with humility. And you know that when you come to my throne of grace, I will act. So when you pray, believer, pray with complete confidence. And know that I love you. If you ask for bread, I'm not going to give you a stone. Come on, you know me better than that. I gave my son to you. So I'm going to do only what's beneficial for your growth. And if you abide in me and my words abide in you, he says in John 15, you ask what you desire and it'll be done for you. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. See, our joy is only full when we abide in him. And when we abide in him, there's fullness of joy. So let me close with this. One pastor I read said, pray with expectancy or there's no point praying at all. That's right. That's true. So let me ask you again the questions that we did at the start, and then we're going to pray. What do you expect will happen when you pray? What do you think the Lord is going to do? And what do you anticipate will take place? I pray that this little study will help us to have a different perspective, that when we call on his name, we can do it with tremendous confidence and expectancy. And now we're going to do that, okay? I want you right now, close your eyes for a second. I want you to already be thinking about something bold. Something, I want to use the word, something miraculous that you're going to bring to the Lord. 
and you're going to ask him to work. But as you do that, you're going to be completely surrendered to his will and his ways. And in just a minute, we're going to pray with complete, I pray, oh, Holy Spirit, help us. Pray with complete expectancy about what he can and will do to bring glory to his name.